It's Friday, November 10th. I'm Juanita Tolliver. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What A Day. On today's show, the latest from Gaza, where there will be pauses in the fighting so civilians can evacuate. Plus, we are just one week away from another potential government shutdown. But first, in the news that made me audibly groan, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia announced that he will not seek re-election to the U.S. Senate in 2024. But let's not call this a retirement because Manchin's announcement video was full of campaign vibes and language. Take a listen. I've made one of the toughest decisions of my life and decided that I will not be running for re-election to the United States Senate. But what I will be doing is traveling the country and speaking out to see if there is an interest in creating a movement to mobilize the middle and bring Americans together. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who's going to answer this call for this man's <laughs> movement, but uh, he's going to be out there. Yeah, uh, one of the toughest decisions of his life, one of the easiest of mine to not watch the video. So <laughs> just going to say that. Interestingly enough, though, the part that Joe Houseboy Manchin left out was the fact that his exit from the Senate leaves Democrats in a bind. Yes. OK, that is the heart of the matter here. Democrats have a 51-49 majority over Republicans in the Senate. How difficult will it be for Democrats to retain their Senate majority in 2024, given Manchin's decision now to not run for re-election. Let me just put it this way, friend. Democrats were already facing an uphill battle going into 2024 because they have the tough task of defending 23 Senate seats. And now Manchin's decision makes it that much harder because one of those seats is basically gone entirely. Right. And I say entirely knowing that West Virginia is a red state that has consistently gone for Trump. And because even before Manchin's announcement, his unfavorables were on the rise and two formidable Republicans were already in the race, including the governor. I mean, not to mention he has done this within one calendar year of Election Day, which is extremely short notice when it comes to a campaign. He's like leaving everybody in two to three times the bind that we were going to be in in the first place by doing that. And he did it on purpose. That's Manchin for you. Yeah. <laughs> but looking beyond West Virginia, Democrats will have tough races across the nation, including in Arizona, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Montana, and Wisconsin. So the pressure to win these 22 other Senate seats is high. I'm also going to be watching how Democrats modify their investments in organizing strategies in states like Texas and Florida in an effort to, you know, try to flip those seats. If this has y'all groaning and worried too, remember that you can start volunteering now to help. Go to votesaveamerica.com slash no off years. Yes, I can guarantee that volunteering, making calls, canvassing, all of that getting involved feels so much better than uh, sitting in your home and worrying or complaining ever does. But speaking of groaning, there has been no shortage of tension between Manchin and Democrats for years. Tell us more about what has led up to this moment. Yeah, 1000%. There's been frustrations all around. They've been mutual. They've been frequent. And at one point, Manchin even hinted at switching party affiliation, but he backed down on that notion. But with every step that President Biden and congressional Democrats took to realize an agenda full of things that people need and want, I'm talking about things like paid family leave, Medicare vouchers for the elderly, universal pre-K and more, 
Mansion was there to block it all. Right. Here's one of the ultimate Mansion moments from December 2021 that enraged Democrats as Mansion went on Fox to deal a deadly blow to Biden's Build Back Better legislation. Take a listen. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is this is a no. This is a no. When I tell you, I remember watching this, feeling the personal disrespect that President Biden must have felt, that congressional Democrats must have felt, because at the time they were bending over backwards trying to get this dude on board. And this was how he decided to shut it all down on Fox, no less. Yeah, absolutely. It is a slap in the face. And there have been so many slaps in the face to Mm -hmm. the rest of the Democratic Party from Joe Manchin over the last few years, especially. It's really been a lot. But you mentioned earlier, this wasn't a retirement announcement from Manchin. What exactly is he planning to do now? So Manchin's announcement included key ingredients like a personal story, a unity message, and finger pointing at Washington being the problem. So let's all brace ourselves for a dun-dun-dun presidential announcement. I'm taking bets now. Place your bets on when that announcement's coming because Manchin said that he'll be traveling the nation to see if there's interest in starting a movement to unite Americans. And that, that definitely has no labels written all over it. So consider Manchin's announcement to be kind of an on-ramp to 2024 where he will most likely join Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Cornel West, and Jill Stein as a third-party candidate for president. Yes, meanwhile, I will be searching for an off-ramp from this world. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for recapping all of this chaos over the years and this big news. Now, let's switch gears a bit for the latest from Gaza. The White House announced yesterday that Israel has agreed to daily four-hour-long pauses in its military operation in Gaza in order to allow civilians to evacuate the northern areas of the territory. Short-term pauses like this have happened over the past few days, but now that this agreement has been formalized, It'll include advance notice of when these periods will start, at least three hours ahead of time, and the opening of a second corridor for evacuations along the coast to expand this process. Yeah, I've got two really massive things glaring when I hear this announcement. One, that there's still going to be 20 hours of bombing, right? Like, I can extrapolate that from the... Okay, and Mm -hmm. the other thing is they're making another corridor for people to evacuate, but evacuate where? Because... This is clearly still an unsafe situation all across Gaza. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the duration for these pauses, just four hours, really gives a sense of the conditions on the ground in Gaza, the frequency of bombardments that they have been experiencing for a four hour pause to be considered a really big, really significant deal. These pauses will make it easier for more deliveries of humanitarian aid to get into Gaza safely and will hopefully facilitate the release of more of the 200 plus hostages who are being held in Gaza. We'll touch more on that in just a moment. This also follows pushes from the Biden administration on Israel to do more to minimize harm to civilians and their efforts to root out Hamas. In a statement, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said that Israeli troops had already permitted the safe passage of 50,000 people in Gaza who used this route to travel south on Wednesday. However, he added that there will be no full-on ceasefire, which you know many people have been asking for, 
without the return of the hostages who were taken by militants in the early days of the war. No, and I do appreciate you mentioning how the pauses will allow for more humanitarian aid to get into Gaza. That is key. And also facilitating the release of these hostages. And I know there have been some more discussions over the past few days about securing their release. So what can you tell us about that? Yes, the CIA director and the chief of Israel's spy agency met yesterday with officials from Qatar who have been serving as mediators in hostage talks with Hamas to discuss hostage releases in exchange for a pause in Israeli attacks on Gaza and the entry of more aid. Hamas had asked for a three-day pause. Obviously, you know, Israel just agreed to these shorter daily pauses. So we will see in the coming days if Hamas does release more hostages now that there have been pauses baked in. Yesterday, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is another armed group on the ground in Gaza that is holding hostages, they are separate from Hamas, actually released a video of two Israeli hostages that they are holding. They're two women ages 77 and 13. They are shown asking Israel to bring them home. Obviously, we don't know if these statements were coerced. These Mm -hmm. women are being held as hostages, so they are not really in control of so much that they are doing. But Israel has denounced the release of these kinds of videos of hostages, you know, asking Israel, calling on them to do more and have called it, quote, psychological warfare. Now, let's discuss the conditions in Gaza now, because I know they are worsening every single day. Yes, that is correct. The agreement for daily pauses comes amid Israel's continued bombardment of Gaza, as well as combat on the ground now in Gaza City. The IDF claims that just yesterday they captured a Hamas stronghold in northern Gaza after hours of intense fighting. In some videos that have been released, you can see fighting in very close urban quarters amid crumbling buildings and debris in the streets. The violence has also not been confined to Gaza alone. At least 18 Palestinians were killed yesterday in the West Bank, where millions of Palestinians live under Israeli military occupation alongside Israeli settlers. I believe over 150 Palestinians have been killed in the West Bank since this conflict began just last month. But back to Gaza, health-wise conditions continue to deteriorate as well. According to the Palestinian Health Ministry, the majority of Gaza's hospitals have stopped functioning entirely. The World Health Organization has warned that due to intense overcrowding and the lack of water, healthcare, and sanitation in Gaza, diseases like chickenpox, scabies, and upper respiratory infections have surged rapidly in the area, putting the area's 2 million people at risk. We will continue to keep you updated with everything going on in the ground, going on diplomatically, but that is the latest for now. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. For the second time this year, the country is bracing for a potential government shutdown that could come one week from now. So that's just a little something to look forward to. That is because House Republicans still don't have their shit together. On Thursday, the chamber adjourned for the week without making any progress on a bill that would fund the federal government through November 17th. And as a result, the White House's budget office told several federal agencies to prepare for a possible interruption. This comes after newly elected Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, told the public to, quote unquote, trust him and his Republican colleagues to keep the government open. Never trusted him. Not for one second. Nope. Not for one. (laughs) 
And things have gotten so bad that even members of Johnson's own party expressed disappointment in his leadership. Republican Representative Troy Nels of Texas literally told reporters yesterday that he would pray for a new speaker and that, quote, I don't think Lord Jesus himself could manage <laughs> this group. Everyone here always bringing Jesus into it. I'm sorry. He wants nothing to do with you people. I love this so much because he's like, Jesus can't do it. And also, I want to remind everybody, the rule has not changed. It still only takes one person to call for a motion to vacate. So here we go. House Republicans have seven days to figure something out, but even then, their spending package has to still pass the Democratic majority Senate. If Congress fails to pass a short-term spending bill by November 17th, millions of civil service workers and military personnel could be sent home or forced to work without pay. Government shutdowns are bad for pretty much everyone. We want to avoid them. So if House Republicans could get their act together, figure it out for the sake of the country, that would be great. Just this once, it would be lovely. Federal officials are investigating a series of suspicious letters that were sent to local election officials this week, some of which were laced with substances like fentanyl. Like, oh my gosh, this feels like a massively scary moment for election workers. Yeah. According to the FBI and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, suspicious envelopes were sent to offices in at least five states, California, Georgia, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington. Four of the letters intercepted contained fentanyl. An election worker in Tacoma, Washington, posted a photo of the letter their office received that read, quote, end elections now. Excuse me? End elections? I'm sorry. That seems like end times type of talk. I'm No, <laughs> absolutely no. Completely unhinged. Thankfully, there have been no reports of election workers falling ill from the mail, but the news has raised concerns about their safety heading into the 2024 presidential election. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger said that officials would provide election workers in the state with doses of naloxone, the medication that reverses drug overdoses, as a precaution. This is extreme, y'all. Like, we know that election workers are regular people, oftentimes volunteers or extremely low-paid employees who are doing this civil service and this work for us, and they should not come under threat for doing this. Like, they're critical to our democracy. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're saying I might be drugged with fentanyl. I might have to take naloxone to save my life when I just showed up to uh, help people vote at their polling place. That's crazy. Take a listen to what Raffensperger told reporters yesterday. This is domestic terrorism and it needs to be condemned by anyone that holds elected office and anyone that wants to hold elected office anywhere in America. No lies detected. This is domestic terrorism. Absolutely. And you know who won't be calling it that? You know his name. Starts with a T. He's not going to call this out. He's not going to condemn this. Right? No, you're not going to talk about this at all. Federal officials issued a statement to election workers nationwide yesterday saying that they are working to intercept any other suspicious letters before they arrive to their offices. Y'all, I'm scared for election workers. This is going to be wild times in 2024. And I just need everybody to please, please, please take every precaution and stay safe. Yeah. And as we learned in 2020, post-COVID, so many of these people who volunteered to do this job are often elderly. And many of them in COVID times were like, no, I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So we are in this situation where we need election workers. We need people who are able to be out there to do this. And it's scary that these threats are now going to discourage people from doing things that will really help our democracy function. I hope they don't discourage people. I hope this stuff stops. But this is so necessary and it's really unfortunate to see scary threats like this happen and and threaten democracy for all of us. Right. 
A caravan of about 3,000 migrants blocked off one of Mexico's main highways on Wednesday, demanding transit visas to help them cross the country and reach the U.S. border. Migrants from Central America, Cuba, Venezuela, and Haiti first started walking towards the U.S. last week after leaving the southern city of Tapachula because the visa processing times there were taking too long. People often have to wait weeks or even months to get such visas and aren't able to work in the meantime. The caravan then stopped in the nearby city of Wixla, and so on Wednesday, thousands of migrants blocked highway inspection booths just outside the city to demand transit or exit visas. An activist and organizer of the march told the Associated Press, quote, We know we are causing discomfort for Mexicans and we apologize, but the drug cartels are kidnapping us, killing us. As a form of protest, some migrants had their lips sewn together last week in an effort to demand documents for legal passage. Seriously. Wow. Meanwhile, the Mexican government's Refugee Aid Commission said in a statement late Tuesday that it does not issue transit visas. These migrants are clearly acting out of desperation and really need some structural changes so that they can get the support they need to avoid exactly what they're protesting, the kidnappings, the killings, all of it. Absolutely. In surprising but good news out of the Vatican, Pope Francis has recently clarified that transgender people can be baptized serve as godparents, and be witnesses at church weddings. This announcement was revealed in a Vatican document that Pope Francis approved last week and was posted online Wednesday. It's part of the Pope's larger movement to include the queer community in the Roman Catholic Church without changing the church teachings. Mm. Hmm, that gives me a little bit of pause. Okay. But... American bishops were notably quiet about this clarification from the Vatican. Last year, the American Bishops Conference put out its own statement that gender transition surgeries were not, quote, morally justified and instructed Catholic hospitals to not perform them. However, this isn't to say that we'll see the Pope at a Pride event anytime soon. While the Pope has repeatedly said the church welcomes everyone, he hasn't walked back the church teachings that say, quote, homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. And therein lies the reality that the math ain't mathing on this. So the symbolic gesture is critical. It is important. It is a step. It is not everything, though. Certainly not everything. And so glaring to see the American bishops in contrast with Pope Francis. Imagine. It really is wild. I mean, Pope Francis clearly not all the way there with what is needed, but American bishops are like miles away from where Pope Francis is. It really is wild. It really is. And finally, the trailblazing feminist website Jezebel is shutting down after 16 glorious years. The site's parent company, GeoMedia, announced the quote, very, very difficult decision yesterday because of economic headwinds. And in a memo to the company, CEO Jim Spanfeller said 23 people will be laid off from the company's editorial staff, including the Jezebel team. He also said the company tried to sell the site, but was ultimately unsuccessful in finding a new home for it. Jezebel was first launched back in 2007 and became a leading voice on women's and feminist issues. And the site published commentary about gender, power, and sexism well before the Me Too movement brought those conversations to mainstream media. Crooked Media's own Aaron Ryan is actually an alum of Jezebel and wrote for the site for nearly five years. And at one point during her tenure, she was the managing deputy editor of the site. Here's a little bit of what she had to say on this very sad day. It's a real shame that one of the most important and enduring voices in pop feminism is being shut down due to corporate stupidity. 
on basically the eve of the 2024 election season, when abortion and other issues that Jezebel has brought to the forefront throughout its life will be at the center of the American political discussion. 100%. Wow, what a critical loss here in political discussion, but also in media. But I want to emphasize that point she made. It's because of stupid corporate decisions that we're losing such a guiding light like Jezebel. Absolutely. So many vital, incredible voices came up through Jezebel, including Aaron. I think we all owe Jezebel so much and owe these writers so much for expanding, you know, our conversations, bringing really, really great commentary into the discourse. And I know we'll be worse off without it. And that makes me very sad. And those are the headlines. We'll be back after some ads with a little science lesson from a longtime WAD listener. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say I did not know clothes could be – this is – I'm being dead honest. I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Viore. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter, soft. They're so good. On the skin. I, I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash wad. Hey, Wad Squad, we are ending the week by opening up our mailbag. We'd love to shout out a Wad listener, Nick Riley. He is a PhD student in physics and astronomy at the University of Rochester, and he wrote us a very thoughtful and informative email after our headline earlier this week about the recent discovery of the oldest black hole in space. Y'all know I was geeking out over this 13.2 billion year old black hole and wondered out loud, how do scientists calculate this kind of stuff? 
And lo and behold, Nick came to our rescue. He explained that researchers will look at the colors in the light from a distant star. Nick included a lot of details, but one thing that we both found super cool was how he explained this complicated calculating in layman's terms. He wrote to us saying, quote, because the speed of light, in a vacuum at least, is a constant, that means that the expansion of space is actually stretching out light. It loses energy in this process and becomes redder. This loss in energy allows us to look for emission or absorption features in distant objects and compare them to what we know they should be, at least here on Earth. Y'all, when I was reading Nick's explanation, one, I got a little bit overwhelmed, so I had to put it down a couple times, <laughs> Nick, but I came back to it. And then I felt like we know nothing. If space is continuously stretching, we're Jon Snow over here. We literally <laughs> don't know how far this goes. We know nothing, but you are clearly so talented, my friend. Thank you so much for writing in and sharing your knowledge. We truly appreciate you. So appreciated. We love hearing from you. If you've got a fun story or passion related to something we talk about on the show, or you just want to say hi, you can reach us at hey at cricket.com or tell us on our Discord channel once you've joined at cricket.com slash friends. One more thing before we go, Dems had a few big wins in the November election, and I stopped by Hysteria this week to discuss the results and what they mean. If you haven't heard it yet, check out the latest Hysteria episode to hear my thoughts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, go to Vote Save America, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just emails from Nick Riley like us, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Juanita Tolliver. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And, and have, have a great, great weekend. weekend. I really hope everybody gets rest because, wow, what a week. Yeah. <laughs> we earned ourselves a weekend. Everybody, please. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzi Quintanilla. Raven Yamamoto and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our showrunner is Leo Duran. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. <laughs>